and welcome to The Gene Space, where I talk about music, life in an autistic household, writing, and whatever random rabbit holes I've dived down lately. I'm so glad you're listening today. To say that I have a love-hate relationship with self-improvement would be understating things. I adore reading articles with tips and strategies and watching videos and even reading the occasional book, although I understand now that a lot of them don't fit that well with my wiring or circumstances. Still, I've gotten a lot of ideas and strategies that have helped throughout my life. Some of the most prevalent and seemingly popular rules in the self-improvement sphere at the moment include how to organize your mornings. If you've followed me for a while, you know I am very interested in other people's morning routines. And um, this also includes what might be the most popular rule of all, make your bed, about which I have some thoughts. Enjoy the show. The title, How You Make Your Bed, reveals this about you. This was in all caps. Was pure clickbait, but it was the subtitle that sealed the deal, A Monk's Perspective. The thumbnail showed five Buddhist monks sitting on blue mats in front of a beige tent. Each monk wore an orange robe, which is a color I love and wish looked better on me, that bared the right shoulder. It's quite a popular design, that asymmetrical thing, this summer. I was anticipating that the video would actually be about different ways to make a bed. Maybe a monastery practice of a thousand years, maybe a new style of pillow arrangement, maybe tips for hospital corners, which I have always avoided by using fitted sheets, but I'm still curious, or even how to pull a sheet tight enough to bounce quarters off of it, or how to speed up the process. The host was a cheerful, round-faced guy with close-cropped hair and a gap-toothed grin. He wore an orange wrap, both shoulders covered, and spoke in front of a bluish backdrop with vertical gray lines. There are three kinds of people, he said. My hopes crumbled. Person one, he continued, snoozes the alarm, hangs out in bed for a while, and then does various morning things, eventually making his bed All of these people are male, by the way, just before he leaves for the day. Person two gets up the second his alarm goes off and makes the bed, then does the rest of his morning routine. Person three never makes his bed, reasoning that it's a waste of time. He's just going to get back into the bed 16 hours later. The monk revealed that the character traits fostered by these habits were, for person one, procrastination. For person two, problem solving, and for person three, carelessness and antisocial tendencies. And the only person who will prosper in his career and personal relationships is person two. Disappointing. Now, mothers have been urging their progeny to make their beds in the morning for millennia, I imagine. However, it may have been Navy Admiral William McRaven speaking at the University of Texas's 2014 commencement ceremony who started the bandwagon in the self-improvement sphere. He positioned bedmaking as a momentum builder, the first snowflake in the snowball of the day's tasks. Also, 
he includes the, the bed when it is made as a comfort in case of failure. At least you'll end the day in a space that's calming and ordered and your own accomplishment. The productivity gurus who followed in setting bed making as a foundational habit tend to stress the first benefit, that is, uh, productivity. The lifestyle gurus tend to stress the second or um, calming. Foundational habits are practices that make one's best life more possible. They're kind of duh-inducing, but also challenging when you get down to the specifics. They're not so much habits a lot of the time as directives. Sleep well, eat healthily, move your body, manage your emotions, make the bed first thing in the morning. Simple. Can it count as foundational? Some studies suggest that that's so. It's very good to remember that many of these studies are commissioned by players in the sleep industry, (laughs) companies that promote or sell mattresses, bed linens, and the like. According to Sleepopolis, for example, which is a blog about mattresses, people who make their bed don't need alarms to wake up and are adventurous, confident, sociable, and high maintenance. Non-bed makers, which is 59% of the population according to one survey, are snooze button abusers, as well as shy, moody, curious, and sarcastic. National Sleep Foundation research indicates that bed makers get better sleep because they're in a bedroom that's tidy. There's substantial disagreement about the timing of bed making, however. It's actually considered healthier to air the bedding out for a while because this reduces bacteria and allergens and the like. And then you make the bed an hour or two after exiting the covers. And no study has noted this, but I will. If you aren't sleeping alone, it's kind of rude to make the bed with your partner still in it. My confession is that at this point in my life, I make my bed every day not first thing. On the monk's scale, I am person one, the procrastinator. And yes, I procrastinate sometimes, although I hit my deadlines nevertheless. I've had years during which I made the bed every day and years during which I didn't. For some periods in Sunny's childhood, all of our beds were made a couple of times a month, if that. The mornings were spent doing the important stuff, getting everyone fed, dressed, and out of the house with the homework finished. I usually wake up before my alarm. That is the sole personality trait that I share with Sleepopolis's bed makers. I'm more the shy, moody, curious, and sarcastic type. As well, having the world's most evil cat has led to changes in my bed making methods. If I strip the covers down to the fitted sheet, Capone takes this as an invitation to jump up into the center of the bed and claim it as his own. He refuses to move, and if I try to pick him up, he hooks every claw, and probably grows a few more, into the mattress, throws the flat sheet and bedspread on top of him. That doesn't deter him. I have no hopes of making a trampoline for quarters. So the method that I have evolved involves stealthily sectioning, pulling, smoothing, and rearranging various layers of the bedclothes so as not to arouse Capone's interest. 
This does take longer than dumping everything on the floor, but it gets the job done. Further, although the idea of a foundational habit that sets the cue for the rest of the day is appealing, for me, bed making is not the action that resonates in this way. I love a simple solution as much as the next Jane, but thinking of every day as a path of tasks to be walked gives me the heebie-jeebies. It seems reductive and a tad bit authoritarian. The monk's three types all involve completing assignments, most of them set by someone else. I pondered what part of my morning routine might be positioned as foundational and came up with an activity I do within a couple of minutes of getting up every day, setting out a fresh bowl of water for Capone. I find value in it because it's something I do for another creature, a reassuring reminder that I can be a kind person, which incidentally saves my ankles a bit of clawing, possibly. It gets my day going, and I love the little Capone makes as he hurries past me toward the bowl. A dinner on Sunday evening in an Irish pub with the rain drumming down outside. The video was still on my mind. I asked my husband, Dave, and my son, Sonny, what they'd consider the foundational habits of their mornings. All of us are interested in habits. Dave, sipping what turned out to be a $14 beer, yikes, concluded that his was washing the dishes in the morning. He does this just before or just after his bike ride. He finds a clean sink calming as well as contributing to the household chores. Over his bacon cheeseburger, Sonny, who rarely makes his bed, yet still manages to accomplish most of the tasks he sets himself, said that sitting on the patio outside before he leaves for work is his. He likes watching the morning sky and hearing the birds. It was fun to think about a foundational habit that's meaningful to me in this moment. Bed making ain't it, but who knows? Maybe a video called What Buddhists Know About Bed Making Will Change Your Life Forever, forever in all caps, is already lurking somewhere in my recommendations list. Thanks so much for spending a bit of your day here. I admit that I feel uneasy when I hear the make your bed thing. And, you know, why? Don't the benefits outweigh the drawbacks? Maybe I'm just being a contrarian, but a rule one that is set universally by someone else and the first rule of many makes me uneasy. It's a simplistic solution masquerading as a simple one, and it just feels like it's making a mindset that gets people very good at executing somebody else's plans. Doesn't strike me as the way to achieve my self-improvement goals, which are more along the lines of trying to foster meaning and purpose in my daily life, and a little bit less about getting things done, because I mostly have figured out how to get things done. I suppose, kind of. (laughs) On the other hand, it is great to learn from other people how they do stuff so that you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Making the bed every day isn't good or bad in itself, and for many people, it's just a neutral part of life with no need to lather a big pile of meaning onto it. 
Um, but it's also something that some people really uh, seem to feel made major changes in their lives. Who knows? Today's essay comes from my WordPress blog, which is also called The Gene Space, if you'd like to, re to read the original or some of my other work. Also, if you're inclined to support this show, that would be much appreciated. Every little bit helps. There's a donations button on my homepage. And until next time, be well. Thank you.